And if I could get uh, some muscle. Mark, would you mind grab that chair for me, please? I appreciate that. I'm going to hobble over here. I'm getting a little giddy-up in my giddy-up, so I'm, I'm getting there. I appreciate the prayers, continued prayers. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate that. I'll let you set that right there. Thank you, sir. And... So yes, please continue to pray for Pastor Jeremy. I am hobbling along a little better. And uh, my wife told me to bring my crutch. I brought it, but I left it in my office. So, uh, sorry, honey. Um, but anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll manage. One last thing. I appreciate your patience this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and take them this morning. Go to the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 14. And I'll give you the exact text here in just a little bit. Let's see if we can get set up here. But before we dive into the message, I've asked the kids to remain because I want to kind of sum up this sermon at the beginning. And normally you get to the end of the sermon, and that's when we sum it up. But I want to sum it up at the beginning with a little illustration. So I'm going to start this morning, uh, and I'm going to, because my kids love it when I pick on them. That's not true. In fact, they hate being illustrations, but that's part of being a preacher's kid. So it's the only material I got. Uh, but I'm going to ask uh, Sarah and Karis, if you would come up here, because I have found a treasure. See, this says treasure. I have found a treasure, and I would love to share it with you two. So if you could come up here real fast, just those two. And uh, I have found a treasure, and I would like to share this with you. And if you'd like to receive it, I'd like to offer it. So if you can get one of those. Okay, and just stand right here for a second. Okay, now, I want you to go find two more people and bring them up so that they also can receive a treasure. So go ahead, go find two people. Any two people you want to pick, just pick wisely. All right, come along. All right, bring those two up here. Now, uh, I would like for you two to go ahead and get your treasure. Can you get your treasure out of there? All right, go ahead and get that. Okay, just stay right here for a second. Now, since you two were obedient, you get a reward. And I'd like for you to go ahead and get your reward out of there. Why don't you go ahead and get your reward out of there? You go ahead and get your reward out of there. All right. Now I want all four of you to go find two people. So take off. Go on. Any age. It can be. Start with the kiddos, though. Find two people. Just bring two people up. Go ahead. Get two people. Bring them up. That's good. Got mama coming. That's good. Two people. Come on. Shouldn't, shouldn't take all day. Just ask somebody if they'd like to receive a treasure. If you'd like to receive a treasure, all right, go ahead and get your treasure there, Miss Danielle. All right, and Aiden, you come get your reward since you uh, brought mom up. Hey, there you go, guys. Make sure now show that to mom and daddy before we just throw it in our mouth, right? Here we go. <laughs> go ahead and get you one there. Come on, Miss Patricia, get your treasure. All right, and we're going to do this one more time. If you didn't get your reward, get your reward. Now, I want all of y'all to go and find two more people, all right? Take off. This is how you get everybody to the altar. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> go ahead. Just grab somebody and go, all right, there you go. There is, there is a treasure for you, another reward for you. All right. If you haven't got your treasure, get your treasure. I love it. Look at this. This is good stuff. Go ahead. Get your reward and get your treasure. If you haven't got your treasure, get your treasure. You get one. There you go. All right. Come on through, spread out, spread across the front here. Everybody across the front. You're getting your reward. If you ain't got your, you get your treasure. Karis, get your reward. All right. If, okay, guys, go ahead and spread across the front. It's all right. We don't bite. I know these people look scary out here. I got to look at them every week. All right, here you go. Get your treasure. Get your treasure. There you go. Get your reward, Miss Danielle. Miss Aiden, get your reward. Elijah, get you a treasure. Did y'all get y'all's reward? They did? All right, y'all go ahead. He gave his treasure away. You've got to keep that. All right. All right, guys, give my volunteers a hand. Go ahead. Y'all can go have a seat. Thank y'all very much. I appreciate that. And Children's Church, you're dismissed. Now that you got some candy and hyped up. Have fun with them, Kelly. 
Have fun with them. As they are making their way out, I guess you could say uh, many are called, but few are chosen. Some of you will chew on that on the way home, right? Guys, we just sort of painted a picture for you, an illustration, if you will, a simplistic yet hopefully effective sharing of the gospel. Scripture tells us that when a man found a treasure uh, buried in the field, he sold everything he had, bought that land. And this is an illustration of, guys, when we have uh, come to know our sweet Savior, if you will, Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, we can't help but want to share Him with others. And as we're obedient, we know that one day we'll stand before a holy God and there will be a day when rewards will be given out through, uh, uh, because of the obedience that we've displayed in this life. And there will be many who hopefully have come to know Christ as a result of our sharing Christ with them. Today, I want us to go beyond salvation to discipleship. And this illustration serves even there, even more so in that once we have reached people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, our work is not done. If we are to be obedient followers, if we are to follow what our Savior has commanded of us, if we recognize the treasure that we've received, our desire should be to follow Him in obedience. And I began with my home because, guys, when it comes to discipleship, if you don't get anything else out of this today, get this. Discipleship should begin at your home. Now, I'm not going to hit on this this morning, but we will, Lord willing, begin to unpack this on Wednesday nights. We're going to begin a new study this Wednesday in this area of discipleship. And... One of the things that we will talk about there is the importance of the various areas in which we have an opportunity to disciple. You say, well, I don't know. Any. Well, this is why we're going to equip you. My responsibility as a pastor is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And I recognize for a lot of people sharing their faith or discipling, it's like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do. This is what we're going to try and help you understand. From God's Word. And we've complicated it and it's not complicated. And so we want to hopefully unpack this in a simplistic way. And that's our prayer and hope. So pray for Wednesday nights and come be a part of Wednesday night. But discipleship begins in our home. We'll look at the various ways. Husbands, wife. There should be discipleship within your marriage. Did you know that? If there's not discipling going on back and forth between you and your spouse, there's where you can start. Parents, our children in the home, are we investing in eternity by sharing Christ with them, by seeing them grow in Christ? You saw that once my children came up, two of them, I sent them out and they invited their friends. And that's where it goes next, no doubt. We reach out to those that we know, those that we love, as we should. And then beyond that, we're told to go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. Guys, we carry in these earthen vessels a treasure. His name is Jesus Christ. And if we know Him as our Lord and Savior, then... We must obey the Great Commission. So, if I can... Quinn, would you mind? <laughs> you, ought to, you ought to see my wife at home. Uh, can you hand me that right there, please? The remote? Yeah, the remote. Thank you. Yeah, see, normally I'm used to asking her. <laughs> but normally I get it like this. I'm just kidding. She doesn't do that. Just kidding. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Discipleship. Growing through discipleship. Now, this is the part three... Uh, final part, so that means next week, Lord willing, 
we will be back in Hebrews. So if you've been missing out, go back. You've got uh, all week to catch up on two years' worth of sermons. Go back and watch them. And uh, we'll be back in, Lord willing, Hebrews 12 this week. But I want to talk to us about discipleship. Look, if you would, in today's text, you'll find in Luke 14, 25 through 35. And this sort of springboards off of sort of what I talked to you a little bit about on Super Bowl Sunday. But we're going to go a little deeper this morning in it. Luke 14, 24 through 35. Now great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. <laughs> Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise... Whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill. But men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father, I pray this morning that you be our teacher. I pray the Spirit of God will search our hearts, remove any and all distractions from our mind and from our heart, Lord, that we will focus on you, that we will hear your word, and that we'll heed it. That you'll stir our heart, Lord, to recognize the vital importance of not only sharing our faith, making converts, but Lord, making disciples. Teach us this morning that we, that we might be followers of you. And we ask it in the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. What is discipling? A working definition of discipling. Discipling is an intentional relationship in which we walk alongside other disciples in order to encourage, equip, and challenge one another in love to grow toward maturity in Christ. And this includes equipping the disciples to teach others as well. Four things I want us to see in this passage of Scripture we just read. Four conditions to being a disciple. The first you find in verses 25 through 26, and we'll talk about relationship priority. That must be at the forefront. If we're going to be disciples and make disciples, it involves relationship. And we're going to talk about that. Relationship priority. We're also going to look at the right purpose. Verse 27, we'll talk about this. And we'll understand, as we've been talking about in the past couple of sermons, our purpose, our mission, why God has us here on planet earth. What is your purpose? What is life about? And how does that fit in regards to the conditions of being a disciple? We're also going to realize the price. Being a follower of Jesus Christ comes at a cost. 
And so we'll talk about that as well this morning. And then we're going to talk about relinquishing possession. Relinquishing possession. So this is where we're going. Hang on tight. Here we go. Let's take a look at the first one, relationship priority. Relationship priority. If you'll notice again in the text, in verses 25 and 26, Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, and his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. Well, what is he saying here? Jesus wants us to uh, understand the conditions for becoming his disciples. And you recognize that he has been teaching the multitude, and now he is going to begin to focus in on those faithful followers. And here's the challenge to us. Discipleship is rooted in relationship. We know Christ had his twelve, and within that twelve he had three that were extremely close that he poured into. At times, Scripture speaks of the 70 plus that were with him, 100 plus. And so, yes, he was speaking to multitudes, but he was also focusing relationally in a small circle. But notice what the text says. If anyone comes to me, Maybe you're here today. You know about Jesus Christ, but you don't know Jesus Christ. You don't have a relationship with Him. I want to invite you today to come to Him. To know Him. His desire is to know you. And begin to experience the relationship that He wants. The God of all creation, the one who spoke in the universe, leaped into existence. He desires to know you personally, intimately. Discipleship is rooted in relationship. How do we grow? You know Christ, church, you're believers, you know. You say, well, how do, we, how do we grow in our love for Christ so that it becomes passionate? Well, let's think about this for a second. When I began to date my wife, and I got to that point to where I asked her to be my bride, and after saying no three times, she finally said yes. She said, oh, no. It was like that. It wasn't like, no. Uh -uh. We said, I do. And we did. And we began a relationship, an intimate relationship. She's my bride. And you've heard me say this countless times. Imagine if we said, I do on that day at the altar, and I just walked away said, see you next week. Not much of a marriage, is it? We just kind of got together once in a while. Imagine we never talk. Now, some marriages, that's how it is. Spouses never communicate. They never talk. They never spend time together. Guys, if you want to grow in your relationship with anyone, but most importantly with God, you got to spend time together. So if you're struggling in that relationship and that intimacy with God, let me encourage you today. Stop what you're doing and spend some time together. He's right where you left Him, waiting on you to come to Him with the things you're carrying, with the burdens, with the problems, with the issues, with the stress, with the anxieties, with the sickness. Spend time with Him. Now again, imagine in your own relationship that if every time you spent time with your loved one, 
you just told them all about your problems and ailments and that's all you ever wanted to do was talk, 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 talk. I don't care what Joy Bear says, uh, Jesus speaks and God's people hear His voice. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me, right? Sometimes, guys, the best thing we can do in that intimate relationship is listen. And God speaks through His Word. So if we're not spending time in prayer, and we're not spending time in the Word of God, don't be surprised that our relationship isn't where it should be. Time spent together. Time with God results in changed thinking and changed behavior. You see, this passage is, is, is Jesus pleading with those followers the cost of being a disciple, the cost of being in a relationship. You know that being in a relationship comes at a cost, right? And being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ comes at a cost. And if we desire to have a closer relationship, the more time that we spend together, the result should be a change in the way we think about things and a change in the way we do things. If there's not transformation happening in our life, we need to examine our, ourselves. When I spend time with God, when you spend time with God, He challenges us through His Word. As I read His Word, there are things that step all over my toes. There are things that beat me up sometimes. There are things that correct my way of doing and thinking. And I have to weigh the cost. And that's what He's telling His followers here in this passage. The other thing that we see here is a right purpose. Notice in verse 27 what Jesus says. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now look at that passage. Meditate on that passage. Think about that passage. Discipleship expresses itself in purpose. It expresses itself in purpose. Consider this quote. What is, all right, what, what is this purpose? What, what is this purpose? Um, no matter what our livelihood is, our purpose as a disciple of Jesus is to help people know God and to live in fellowship with Him through Christ. Church, I'm going to leave this here for you to think about for a second because we need to think about this. You want to know what your purpose is in life? Jesus is telling us the purpose. He's given us our purpose. Because apart from Jesus Christ, we have no purpose. When we live, as we've been talking about in previous weeks, self-centered lives, it's all about me. You know that song, right? We live in this all-about-me society. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Him. It's about His glory. And if we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ, we've got to grow in our understanding in this relationship. And we've got to understand and grow in our purpose. And discipleship expresses itself in purpose. That means dying to self. That means crucifixion. Now think about this, when Jesus makes this statement, He's not yet gone to the cross. But those people who were listening to Him in that time understood exactly what He was talking about because the Romans had mastered the crucifixion. You remember what John the Baptist said? He must increase, but I must decrease. Guys, we want to take something away today, take this away. 
as I go through my daily activity, as I go through my week, I must decrease. And He must increase. And so as I'm spending time in the Word, I'm spending time in prayer, and I'm yielding my life, I'm getting off, as we saw last week, the throne, and I'm allowing Christ to be on the throne of my life. I'm yielding control to His plan, His desire, what He wants in my life as best. And in doing this, we've got to realize the price. Notice verse 28 through 32. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. <laughs> that's not in the text, but that's the you know, added version. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. We've got to realize the price. Jesus is saying that following Him, the call to follow Him comes at a price. And guys, it's not temporary. The call to follow Jesus is lifelong. As I mentioned, when He begins to speak about the cost of the cross, these people knew and understand. They understood what was going on in their culture and society. In fact, Realizing the price, think of, uh, Dennis Rogers makes this statement. Jesus made it clear that he wanted prospective disciples not to make an emotional decision to follow him. That they might renounce after giving it thought. Rather, he wanted them first to consider the cost, then choose to follow him even though they knew the cost was great and would extend for the rest of their earthly lives. Guys, we've got people in churches all across America, especially in America, making emotional decisions every Sunday. And we drum up the instruments, and we create the atmosphere, and we just get the sensual spirit going in the room that appeals to the fleshly appetite, that appeals to the emotion, and they make emotional decisions in the moment, and they come to the altar and they cry, and then they get up and they leave, and their lives are never changed. That really scares me. And even in our good Bible-believing, teaching churches, we have in the 19th century on through, we've fallen guilty to this. The altar call. Now look, this altar is always open. And if God stirs your heart, please, please be obedient. Come and kneel and call out and cry out and pour out your heart. Please be obedient to God. But what you won't get at Community Baptist Church, is, as long as God has me here, we will not strike up the chord and sing it one more time, 20 times, 30 times, come on, come on, come on, trying to manipulate a response. God is more than able. And that's why I appreciate this body of Christ, because I know when you come to this altar, it's because God has spoken, not because Jeremy, and not because Barnett plays a mean flute. He does. He does. Jesus gives this illustration in Scripture, guys. I mean, what would that altar call look like? All right. In just a moment... We're going to open up the invitation. If you'd like to be made fun of, student, if you'd like to be ridiculed, picked on, called names, if you'd like to lose your friends, if you want adults, your co-workers, to think you're a joke, that you're unintelligent, that your neighbors would despise you because they're of another religion, if you'd like to be persecuted, 
If you'd like to go to another country and perhaps be killed for your faith, won't you come? Please, won't you come? But isn't that the invitation Jesus gave right here in this text? I mean, this is the kind of invitation Jesus was giving. Dr. Shook's wife, Beth, shared an awesome article the other day on Facebook. If you haven't seen it, check on her page. Excellent article on this very subject. We don't have thinking Christians today. Now, praise God, the Lord has brought us Brother Tyson. And if you want to know some more about thinking Christians, talk to him because he's got the perfect group meeting monthly to help us think reasonably through our faith. Guys, somewhere along the way, and, I, and, I, and again, I, I don't want to throw out too many names. Penny, um, somewhere along the way it changed up. In the C.S. Lewis's of our day, the thinking Christians, Christians were the leading thinkers. And somewhere along the way, we dumbed down Christianity. And our Christianity today is all about emotion and feeling. And there's no reasonable arguments for our faith though they're there. Part of discipleship is studying the Word of God. Part of discipleship is understanding the doctrines of Scripture. Don't take my word for it. It's in, it's in the New Testament that we might be able to gently correct those who would oppose us, that we might be able to refute, that we might be able to give a defense for the hope that is within us that we, as Jude said, might be able to earnestly contend for the faith. Well, shout it so loud the TV went off. What happened? <laughs> Sorry about that. Amen. Thank you, sister. Gang, we... we I love when you look at the Old Testament, shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. In the New Testament, he says, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. We need to start loving God with our mind again. We need to be thinking Christians. But realize, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it's coming at a price. So this audience that Jesus spoke to Think about what Barclay said, and history reflects this. Everyone knew this in that day. When Jesus makes this statement, everyone knew this. When the Roman general Varus had broken the revolt of Judas in Galilee, 4 B.C., he crucified 2,000 Jews and placed the crosses by the wayside along the roads to Galilee. So imagine, Christian, you're walking daily into Galilee. And you see and smell the carcasses of 2,000 Jews. And now Jesus is saying, you want to be one of my disciples? Take up your cross. And then He's going to go to a cruel cross and suffer severely for our sin. Die in our place. And three days later, rise victorious from the grave. But he's not making any emotional pleas that it's going to be a cakewalk. In fact, when the crucifixion would happen, they would carry their own beam to the place of crucifixion. Guys, discipleship is a process. Please understand that. Discipleship is a process. Last, we see that Jesus not only calls us to a priority and relationship and a right purpose, challenging us to realize the price in following Him, He hits them where it hurts, in the pocketbook. Relinquish possession. Discipleship involves sacrifice. It involves sacrifice. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. I just don't think we really get it. I know I don't. I don't fully get the level of sacrifice in Western civilization, in America, the real cost of following Jesus. I mean, yes, we have our own crosses to bear, and yes, there are some areas where Jeremy dies to self, and but to the level in which Jesus is describing here, guys, I'm still in that process. I've got to die to self. I've got to get off the throne. I've got to let Christ be preeminent. He says here, and this is, this is in the NASB, which I believe is one of the best Greek renderings of the text. He says, so then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his possessions. We go, wait now, preacher, hold on a second. That sounds a little cultish. I've got to give up everything? You might. Let's start there. I might. Let's better understand this. We believe God's Word, right? All right. You know what Psalm 24, 1 says? The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. The world and those who dwell therein. Guys, we talk about giving a tithe. We talk about a 10%. That's great. And, and if you're not doing that, I encourage you to start there. Start somewhere. But here's the reality. It's 100% His. And don't kid yourself into thinking otherwise. Well, I work hard. I'm sure you do. Who gives you that ability and that breath to do so? Guys, I've been down for a month. I miss my leg. <laughs> okay? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? It all belongs to Him. And the sooner I understand that, the better off I am. Because you know what's freeing when you come to understand this? And I'm going to speak clear on this one because, gang, I, I, I really do believe that this is... The, Brother Dean says it all the time. The last thing God gets is your, is your pocketbook. But when He gets your heart, He's supposed to have access to all the rooms, Right? But that's the one area you and I still maintain control on. But yet it's all His anyway. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, count the cost. And you know what that may say to me and my family and my life? It may say, you know what? You'd like to get this, but I want you to do this. There have been times in my life where I have had to wrestle with God because I wanted something with my money and He wanted something else. Guess who won? Now there are times I stubbornly probably resisted and I ended up with big problems. <laughs> he got it anyway. Right? If God's going to have preeminent in my life, it means in every area. In every area. And there is nothing more freeing than when we as a married couple together, which by the way, I don't recommend husband, you decide not tell the wife, or wife, I don't recommend you decide and, and the husband not be on board, okay? This is that discipleship with each other aspect, okay? But when we discipled together and, and, under, and came to a point in understanding that this belonged to God and we just want to honor God with that and Lord, whatever you want us to do with this, it's yours. You talk about freeing? Freeing. Joy. Blessing. Still to this day, it, it just amazes me. I'm going to give you a quick testimony. We're going to move on off of this because I know it, listen, it makes me more uncomfortable than you. So if you're feeling a little awkward, I feel even more awkward. But it's got to be said. It's, it's God's Word. We started this year, the beginning of this year, 
And every year we try to prayerfully, Lord, lead us in what to give, and we try to always increase the giving to the Lord's work. And we began this year, and we had some... Um, medical uh, come up with um, the kids and, and weren't really sure how we were going to do this. But I knew God had it, and I didn't worry about it. And we just gave it to the Lord, and we prayed. Now, guys, I'm not saying it's going to happen every time, but I'm just telling you this happened. Literally for three weeks in a row, we got like checks in the mail. Now, listen to how crazy this is. Your previous home mortgage was somebody filed a lawsuit against it and they were ripping you off and here's a return check. What? Hallelujah. Your health since they grandfather clause and took you out because I like my insurance and I can keep it, didn't happen, sent me a reimbursement check. Another over... I mean, I'm just saying, guys, it was crazy. And the only thing that made sense was God knew our need. We didn't see that coming. He knew it was coming. Blessed be God's name. Praise be to God. Now, I could have spent every night tossing and turning, worrying about how we're going to, you know, pay for this. Why are we going to... And, and gang, I could tell you time and time again in my life how God has done just that. And I know you can too. And even when He doesn't do it that way, guys, and I don't want you to go out of here thinking that that's the way it always works, because it doesn't. There have been times in our life where it hasn't been that way, and we've had to sell stuff. Why do you think we're driving one car? <laughs> I mean, you know, there have been sacrifices along the way that really aren't sacrifices. I mean, we in America think, oh, one car, that's a sacrifice. That ain't a sacrifice. Look at how people are losing their heads in other countries. They're dying for their faith. They're taking the gospel into AIDS-infested area and malaria and diseases and sickness for the sake of the gospel. We do not understand sacrifice. Lord, help me to relinquish ownership. And not just my material goods, but just in my life. <sighs> Relationships. Is your relationship honoring God? I didn't ask you if you like your relationship, if it makes you feel good. I didn't ask that. That's emotional. I'm asking you, does your relationship honor God? With whoever. With Him. Relinquish. Conclusion. I had to look at the clock. I'm missing my countdown, man. I'm going to get my Europe song back up there. I need the final countdown going. If we're going to be disciples and make disciples... Uh-oh. I need to go back to that last slide, Clyde. <laughs> That's all right. I got you, partner. We're good. Quick draw McGraw is my name. Now we'll go past it. Oh, y'all got to sit through the whole sermon again. <laughs> I told you to come at sacrifice. <laughs> All right. So let's think about this. If we're going to be disciples and make disciples, we must understand these four things. These four conditions, according to the text we just unpacked. Relationship priority, right purpose, realize the price, and relinquish possession. How are we going to apply this? All right, let's just get real here. In order to be a disciple, we must make disciples. Are you making disciples? That's a, that's a question we just simply answer right where you're at. Are, are, you in, are you investing in the lives of others? Are you making disciples for the cause of Christ, for the kingdom of God? Are you spending time with someone and investing in them? 
And it's okay, guys, if you say, I'm not. But you need to understand, if you're not, you're not. Let's do something about it. Here's the application. Did God ask us to go and make disciples? Yes or no? Everybody nice and loud. Yes. So if I'm not doing what He asked me to do, am I obedient or disobedient? I'm glad we confessed that today. That's the beginning, right? Now don't worry, I'm not just going to leave you out there high and dry. That's what we're going to begin to work on on Wednesday nights. Well, I can't come on Wednesday nights. That's when my favorite television show is on. Sacrifice. You got to work? Work. I understand it. God understands. You can't be here, you can't be here. I understand that. But here's what we're going to work on. Now, we, last year we talked about this, and I did a lot of legwork, and we never launched it. Dr. Shook and I had a good lunch, and we were talking about it, and some great ideas and sharing recently. And so we're going to relaunch this. And some of you did not get on board. You're new here. I want to encourage you to be a part of this. Many of you filled out a form, and you said, I'm willing to disciple someone, or I'm willing to be discipled. Okay, that invitation is still open. And so we're going to begin to work on this on Wednesday nights. If you're not able to make it on Wednesday nights and you'd like to be a part of it, shoot me an email, let me know, hey, I'd like to either disciple or be discipled. Just let me know. We'll make sure that you're partnered. But here's what we want to do in this simplistic discipleship, doing life together. We need to learn to pray together. Now, this is, I'm going to break it down too much, but basically we're going to encourage you to get together with someone and you will meet weekly or, by, or twice a month. And when you get together, here's what you're going to do. You're going to pray together. Spend some time praying together. Pray for one another. Relationship building. Sharing your burden, sharing your heart with the person you're meeting with. You're going to read God's Word and discuss it. You may be asked to read three chapters a week. And when you get together for that hour once a week, you're going to talk about what you read. I appreciate Jessica. She's pouring into my daughter Faith. And they are going through the book of Galatians. And one of the things they do is they read the scriptures. When they get together, they pray. And they discuss what they've read. Because this is making disciples. The other thing we're going to focus on as we begin our discipleship this year as part of the visionary launch in 2018, we're going to be accountable to another for the sake of growing in my walk with Christ. This is that counting the cost. This is that, um, and I realize for some of you, you're not very transparent, you're not very open, and I'm not going to put you with somebody and expect you on day one to all of a sudden start just pouring out your bleeding heart, Okay? But my prayer is that as you are with someone that you have a relationship with, that as you begin to trust in one another, as you begin to pray with one another, as you begin to discuss the Word of God with one another, that you will also become accountable to one another. That you'll be able to ask each other the tough questions. Hey, what were your struggles this week? Did you struggle with anything this week? And that you can, as the song my daughter sang early, be honest. And not be met with judgment, but be met with love, grace, mercy, encouragement, correction. That's the one thing a Christian wants last is accountability. None of us like that. But it's the one thing we need to help us grow. And then we need to know how to reach out to others effectively in hopes that they might come to know Jesus Christ. Guys, if we're not multiplying, reproducing, then the Christian faith dies with this generation. 
If we really begin to understand this discipleship concept, if we really begin to understand what Jesus meant and what it meant to have a relationship with Him, what it meant to have a right purpose in our life, if we understand and realize the price, the sacrifice it takes, and we're willing to relinquish what is rightfully His, the world can be turned upside down. So, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 still stands true. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing, immersing them, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen? Join us Wednesday as we embark on equipping the saints for the purpose of discipleship. Time plus life plus Bible equals discipleship. And we're going to look at that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word as we conclude this three-part series and vision that, uh, Lord, I trust is a biblical uh, vision for the church. It's what you've laid out in Scripture. It's nothing that I've come up with or the leadership of this church. It's uh, other than the head leadership, which is Jesus Christ. This is what you call us to, God. And you just ask us to respond in simple faith and simple obedience. There are many here, Lord, I'm sure, that say, I can't do this, I just can't do this. And they're right, we can't. We can't apart from you. But Lord, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to you, and you have told us, therefore, to go. Help us to do this, Lord, for your name's sake. Because there is a lost and dying world. And we found a treasure. And it's worth selling everything we have to share with others. May we make Christ known in our life, through our life, for your glory, for our good. In Jesus' name, amen.